Welcome to the Dear Heart and the Brain podcast, where we discuss science and science-based tools in everyday life, particularly in neurobiology, exercise physiology, and the nutritional sciences. My name is Jess Wong, and I am a neuroscience student at the University of Southern California. Today's episode is the second part of the previous episode, all about fatigue from fitness. So in the previous episode, right, we talked about CNS and PNS fatigue, where we will experience a temporary reduction in strength. And let's talk about whether or not it's a good idea while experiencing CNS fatigue and training at the same time. For a refresher, CNS fatigue can be described as the inability of our brain to tap into the high threshold motor units and subsequently reduce our force, our velocity, and our power output as a result of not recruiting the largest muscle fibers. As always, I just want to mention that this podcast is part of my effort to bring zero cost to consumer public education about science as it is unrelated to my roles as a personal trainer and as an undergraduate student. So in order to get the muscular adaptations that we're looking for in our training regimen, we need to perform repetitions with maximal intention and effort for hypertrophy. That way, we need all of our muscle fibers to be recruited and contract forcefully in order to produce high levels of force to move the weight. However, when we lift in a fatigue state, reps can feel way harder even at relatively lower weights. Why does this happen? This happens because our brain's ability to recruit the high threshold motor units are reduced and this also in turn reduces our performance and doesn't allow us to make efficient progress. Not all the muscle fibers get recruited during fatigue and we'll lose the ability to tap into the greatest levels of voluntary muscle activation, so any rep won't be forceful enough to produce the adaptation. There's some consequences to training when fatigued. First, low levels of force will be produced. You'll be hardly able to make any progress this way. Second, this could lead to poor recovery and possible injuries. Third, the fatigue state can make you take time off from your training regimen and can last up to several days following the, the last session. But how can we tell whether or not we're training in a fatigue state? We can measure it. Research shows that velocity loss is a good indicator of neuro fatigue, which talks about how fast a weight can move. This principle is elegantly explained by the force-velocity relationship which states that as the repetition speed slows down, the amount of force produced by our muscles will increase and vice versa. In the non-fatigue state, the repetition will move at a fast velocity with low levels of perceived effort using a relatively slow to move weight. However, in the fatigue state, the repetition moves at a considerably slower velocity with a greater perceived level of effort with the same weight. Depending on your training goals, testing medicine ball throws, death jumps, uh, jumps, Vertical jumps, group strength, and repetition speed can all show levels of fatigue or readiness before a workout. Therefore, performing a full warm-up with the goal of understanding whether or not you're training in a fatigued state should be a priority. Excessive training volume is a main cause of CNS fatigue, and it's normal to experience some level of fatigue for the trained muscles after a strength training session. If the fatigue lasts for several days afterwards, then a cause is going to be related to muscle damage as the result of excessive training volumes. When you have muscular contractions, I talked about this last time, but I think it got kind of confusing. Calcium ions are released to the muscle cells through this process called the excitation-contraction coupling. During long training sessions, the amount of calcium concentrations will increase calpanes, which are responsible for the deviation of parts of the muscle fiber. 
We have two types of muscle types, or muscle fiber types. This is the type 1 and type 2, right? Type 2 are the fast twitch ones, and these are the largest and strongest fibers that grow most in strength training. And since type 2 contains fewer mitochondria compared to type 1 fibers, they can't process the large amount of calcium ion overload that gets released during the fatiguing contractions. And as a result, they get damaged. So, how do you mitigate CNS fatigue? In order for this section to make sense to you, you must keep in mind two things. In order for hypertrophy to happen, there must be full motor unit recruitment and each muscle fiber has to contract at a slow enough speed in order to exert a high level of force. This is the force-velocity relationship, right? Therefore, I'll give you three tips that you can follow to maximize your training results. One, prioritize the heavy work first. Since CNS fatigue increases as the duration and volume increases, when we train, it's, it makes sense to give priority to the heavy work first to maximize hypertrophic stimulus induced by the training. This means to focus on the heavy compound exercise at the beginning of the workout over the accessory and isolation exercises. 2. Don't rush your set. Resting more between sets will allow for greater muscle gains because if you start again too soon in your fatigue state, you won't be able to allow the high threshold motor units to be effectively recruited and thus this won't allow effective work to be done. 3. Spread out your total training volume across the week and across multiple sessions too as it is a better option to mitigate CNS fatigue and and you'll be able to progress faster opposed to doing body part days. Doing a lot of volume work in a single session can end up not producing enough effective work as it reduces the ability to recruit high threshold muscle fibers. Fatigue is a normal side effect of exercise, but if you're feeling chronically irritable, tired, and like you can't exercise to your fullest capacity anymore, you may be experiencing CNS fatigue. Extending yourself during workouts is one of the leading causes of CNS fatigue though it can also be caused by poor sleep and malnutrition. CNS fatigue is thought to be the most common among weightlifting and strength training athletes, but it can happen to anyone engaging in high-intensity exercises. Plus, everyone has a different work capacity, meaning that some people will be able to endure more strenuous exercise before experiencing central nervous system fatigue. Well, That's all I have for you today in our episode, and I want to mention that an important feature of this podcast, as you already know, is that we deep dive into many topics for several episodes at a time. So by stopping here, I recognize that there are probably a lot more questions. Stay tuned for the next few episodes of this awesome podcast that gets released every Thursday and Saturday, Sunday. But other than that, I'm going to leave you with the same message I leave you in every single one of my Dear Heart and the Brain podcast episodes. Keep that brain sharp, keep that heart healthy, and go dominate. Thank you so much for your time and your attention. And above all, thank you for your interest in science.